to Philippians chapter 3. Those of you that are guests or visitors never been here before, usually Easter is a very, very long, long service. Hours. And if I see people frown, I just increase the, the time. If you smile, we get out sooner. <laughs> I have a specific message. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to use a few illustrations today that, that we have. And I want you to look. I want to read this passage of Scripture. Then I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible. I want to begin with chapter 3. And let's look at what the Apostle Paul says in verse 8. It says, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, Count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found him in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith. Verse 10, that I may what know him and the power of his resurrection. You notice the knowing comes before wanting the power. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already ob obtained or am already perfected. But I press on. Everyone say I press on. <clears throat> that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do. Say I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, Paul says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul gives some directives there. I want to read this, a portion from the message translation. He says, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is Beckoning, beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. I like that. I'm off and what? Running and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. How many of you want everything God has for you? Then what do you need to do? You got to go forward. Say, go forward. Now, it's important to remember what your life was like before Christ. Can some of you remember what your life was like before Christ? How you were in bondage to sin. But it's equally important. It's equally important that you don't go back there or stay there. It's all right to remember where you came from. But it's not all right to camp there and stay there. Because God wants us to go forward, okay? Look at 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. And Peter is referring to deceptions of false teachers here. 
Second Peter chapter two, 18, it says, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, he's talking about these false teachers. They allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who actually escape from those who live in air while they promise them liberty. They themselves are slaves of corruption for, for by whom a person is overcome by him. Also, he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Now listen to verse 22. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. I know this isn't very pleasing to hear. A dog returns to his own vomit. And a sow having washed in her wallowing in the mire. So we look at that and we need to realize you and I need to avoid, forget and avoid returning to the practices that we have been delivered from. Now, I'm going to have to put this slide up. I hope you can see this. All right, stay right there. Those are pigs wallowing in the mud. That used to be you and I. And the sad thing is, too many Christians want to stay there. They want to continue to wallow in their mud and sin. Go on to the next slide. I, I found this one. I like that. That's kind of a royal banquet. Look at that feast. Is that, is that a little different picture? Do you like that better? Now, some of you maybe like hogs. I, I don't know. The nature, you're going to be working with hogs, aren't you? I'd rather be there sitting at a, an elegant table like that with fine crystal and, and good food to eat and pleasant surroundings, wouldn't you? See, that's what God has done for us. He's delivered us out of the muck and the mire, the sin, and he's given us an inheritance in Christ Jesus. The sad thing is most of us don't know who we are in Christ Jesus, we don't remember. Sure, we, we think about his death, burial, and resurrection. But what did his resurrection mean to us? These are things that we need to, to need to understand. Thank you. You can take that down. Let me read this scripture from 1 Peter 2, 9, which goes along with this. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What is that? That's a description of us today. The church, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous what? Light. Who were not a people, but are now the people of God who'd not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So do you see what happened when you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? You're translated from one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, into the kingdom of God, the son of his love. Amen? But too many of us concentrate on where we came from. I went home Good Friday. I usually do this. My mother's going to be 95 in October. And I was going to take her to the Methodist church 
uh, service, which they've had for years, which now they don't have because not enough people come. So I went down and, and what, took her to dinner, and then I took her for a little drive. My hometown. Drug infested. This high on the wealth, probably the highest on the welfare list in the, of all the counties in Nebraska. And I went by all the old haunts. You remember, have you ever, do you ever go home, some of you? And I looked at the house that we lived in. I grew up in the house. It was totally falling apart. Neighborhoods falling apart. Houses caving in. How many houses must be there that are condemned? I mean, I really didn't leave my hometown uplifted. And, you know, in fact, it's very, it's, it's depressing. You know, but... I'm so glad I don't have to go back there. I'm so glad. Yeah, I can remember where I lived. I can remember what my house. I've got a picture of what my my family home looked like, used to look like. And I can look at that. But I'm so glad I don't live there anymore. See, God has good things because we sang about it today. Because he loves us so much, he's destined us to live a wonderful life in Christ, in His Son. But for some reason, we we as Christians, we have a hard time escaping that. Too many people are remembering, now listen, what they have been called out of instead of what they have been called into. Did you hear me? Too many people are thinking about where they came from instead of where God has delivered them. Now, I want to go through this. Look in your Bible to Acts chapter 7. I'm going to do this quickly. I'm not going to go a long time today because we want to close with something special. But I want you to see something because some of you here, let me see the hands of you that Sometimes the devil just plays with your mind about who you used to be and what you used to be like and where you came from and what you used to do. That's how the devil works. And if you don't cast down vain imaginations and renew your mind to who you are in Christ Jesus, he'll get you every time. I want to show you how many of you think the Apostle Paul was a great man of God. Was he a great man of God? He certainly was a great man of God. I'll read it to you. But you don't need to turn there, but 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. So who persecuted the church of God? Saul persecuted the church of God. Now look at Acts 7. We're going to go through a few scriptures here in Acts just to give you a little bit of background. Of the man who said, I press toward those things that are ahead and forget those things that are behind. Acts 7, verse 58. This is where Stephen was stoned to death. In verse 58, and they cast Stephen out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a what? Young man named Saul. Look at chapter 8, verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to what? Stephen's death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, 
except the apostles. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Who did that? Saul did that. Look at chapter 22. Chapter 22. Verse 4. Chapter 22, verse 4, Paul says, I persecuted this way to the what? To the what? Death. So was he in favor of people being murdered? Yes. And uh, and it says, persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering them into prisons, both men and women, as also the high priest's bears me witness and all the counsel of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in what chains, even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. Are you getting a picture of who Apostle Paul used to be? Look at one more. Look at um, chapter 26. Chapter 26, verse nine. Chapter 26 and verse nine. It says, indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. These I also did in Jerusalem and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote, what, against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly enraged against them. I persecuted them even to foreign cities. One bad dude. Amen. Amen. Now, I said all that to make a point. The Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Had great revelation. But one of the greatest revelations that he had was who he was in Christ Jesus. Death, burial, and resurrection. It's so important that we understand this. Now listen, don't turn there. Listen to this scripture I'm going to read to you. 2 Corinthians 7, 2. You don't need to turn there. This is the statement Paul made. When he was speaking to the Corinthian church, we have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. Who said that? How could Paul say we have wronged no one? I just read you a list of what that man did to the church, the early church. Terrible things. And yet he has the audacity to say... We have wronged no one. Why could he say that? Because Jesus Christ was his personal Lord and Savior. He was born again. The blood of Jesus took care of the sin problem. So you sit here today and you can say, Oh, preacher, you don't even know what I used to be like, what I used to do. Well... Maybe you were this way. Maybe you did those things. But is Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior? Well, sure. Yes, I'm born again. Then forget those things that are behind. Quit going back to Egypt. I was reading this week. 
I don't know if I wrote it down here. Yeah, I did. God the Father dealt with Israel. Yes, we're to remember our covenant. We're to remember Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But he constantly was telling the nation of Israel to remember his what? His word. Right? Deuteronomy 15, 15 says, you shall remember. Now listen, you shall remember God is speaking to Israel. That you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. So it's all right to remember we used to be slaves of sin. We used to be bad people. Controlled by sin, controlled by the lusts of the flesh. But we also need to remember that he did what? Redeemed us. His, the blood of his son Jesus Christ purchased us from a life of bondage of sin, did he not? This is the scripture I was reading in Acts 7. And I want you to turn there for the sake of time. This is the phrase, and it really caught my attention in verse 37. It says, and in their hearts, they turn back to Egypt. The nation of Israel, what, where? In their hearts. So here God was had brought them out from Egypt, delivered them. You know, if you're watching the Bible series, you got to see the, the sea parted, right? Pretty miraculous. They, they didn't hardly get to the other side and they're complaining. All they did was complain, didn't they? God would bring water from a rock, manna from heaven, and they'd complain. I'll guarantee every one of us here, God has done something supernatural, miraculous, and delivered us, and probably less than 24 hours we're complaining about something. That's sad, isn't it? And so what he's, he's, he's basically saying that it was in their hearts that they went back to Egypt. And this is what gets us in trouble as, as believers, born-again Christians. We begin to remember and think about what it was like in the world. Maybe think about what our friends' realities are like. Maybe they're experiencing wonderful pleasures in the world. What I'm telling you today is we have to make a, 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 an effort of our will. To remember what Christ did for us. Remember who we are in Christ Jesus. Remember we've been delivered. We've been brought out of Egypt. I don't want to go back. I don't want you to go back. Amen? And in their hearts, they turned back to Egypt. Jesus said, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. It's not fit. You can't look back and be fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. Hebrews 10:38 says, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now, I wrote some things. This is what Jesus did for you. And it's all right to remember this. Then I'm going to give you some things which you need to do, what you need to remember. What did Jesus do for you? He was beaten and tortured for you. He was crucified on a cross for you. He shed his blood for you. He became sin for you. He died spiritually and physically for you. See, we don't remember. He died what? Spiritually and physically 
for you and I. He was forsaken by God for you. He was, now think of, don't let that slide by. He was what? His own heavenly father had to turn away. He was forsaken because he had become sin for you and I. And not only was he forsaken, God had to judge him, did he not? So he was judged by God for you and I. He went to hell and the regions of the damned for you and I. But he was what? Resurrected for you and I. And because of what he did for us, he's given us a spiritual inheritance in Christ. So that's what Christ did for you. What are you supposed to do? Do you realize you and I have some responsibilities that we need to fulfill? Jesus, we could never repay what Christ did for us, but there are some things that you and I must do. One of them is present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what do you and I have to do? We need to renew our minds to what? Who we are in Christ Jesus. What has God done for you? What's been provided for you and I? Here's another scripture. Casting down vain imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. So what's another responsibility you and I have to do besides renew our, our mind? Deal with squirrely thoughts. I'll guarantee you, three-fourths of this church had squirrely thoughts on their way to church. You're laughing. Well, because you did. Amen? You get squirrely. Where do those squirrely thoughts come from? The enemy. That's right. But what's your responsibility? What's my responsibility? Cast down those squirrely. And then what should we do? Exalt the word of God. We should replace that that wrong squirrely thought with the word of God. Here's another scripture. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So you and I need to walk in the spirit. Here's another scripture. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. I like this. Reckon yourselves what? Dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Say, I'm dead to sin. But Satan's always there. He's going to start reminding you. You're a sinner. Remember what you used to do. Remember what you were like. Amen. I want to read to you just a short passage here because. Some of you here today. Notice I said some. Are bound by your past yet. And you're not going to be an effective witness for Christ if you're bound by your past. He says, it is more valuable to look where you're going than to see where you've been. It is more valuable to look what? Where you're going than to see where you've been. Don't see your future only from the perspective of yesterday. It's too easy to quantify and qualify everything and choke off. Or limit the dream within you. He says you can never plan the future by the past. No one can walk backward 
into the future. Your future contains more happiness than any past you can remember. Now listen to this statement. The born again Christian has no past. I just read about Paul. That's why he was so confident. Because he knew his past was gone. The born again Christian has no past. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God doesn't look at your past to decide your future. That's good. God doesn't look at your past to decide your future. God looks at his son. What he has done for you and I through his death, burial, and resurrection. That determines your future. Misery is a yesterday person trying to get along with the tomorrow God. Don't let your past mistakes become memorials. They should be cremated, not embalmed. It is important to look forward. Your calling and destiny are there. I'm telling you today, you have a calling. Everyone in this room has a calling. Everyone in this room has a destiny. And it's not in the past, it's in the future. Amen? Now, wouldn't it be great if I could just take your brain or your head, unhook a latch, open the lid? Wouldn't that be great? That'd be brain surgery, wouldn't it? Undo the latch, open the lid on your brain, reach inside and clean out all the traumatic memories of the past. Wouldn't that be good? Then shut the lid. And guess what? No more painful events there. You've forgotten it all because they've been removed. Wouldn't it be great if it was that easy? Well, you know, that's what the Apostle Paul had to do. He had to make a quality decision to forget his past. He had to make a quality decision to forget his past. Don't you suppose the devil was there trying to lie to him once in a while? But he put him back in his place. You and I have to make a quality decision to forget our past. Then we need to make a quality decision to remember who we are now in Christ Jesus. What is the greatest miracle? I've got a question for you. What is the greatest miracle of all the miracles connected with redemption? You want me to tell you? Yes, no, maybe. Grunt, groan. Time to leave. Is it dinner yet? The greatest miracle... Connected with redemption is when a man receives eternal life. That's the greatest miracle. Now, I, I, in closing, I did this because I want you to see, and I hope you can read these. But I want you to remember who you were and then what you become. Okay? So what's that say? Can you all see that? No longer spiritually dead. Well, then what are you? You're alive unto God. Okay? Here's the next one. This is a good one. No longer what? So you're no longer slaves to sin. What are you now? 
Your sins are forgiven. The Bible tells you that you and I, that we are a slave of righteousness. Okay. What's that say? Okay. Isn't that good news? What's that? No longer ruled by the flesh. You're led by the spirit. So you don't have to give in to the to the lust of the flesh, do you? Here's here's a good one. No longer what? Citizen. All right. No longer pigs in the mud. That's about all you're going to remember this sermon this this year. Uh Uh-huh. No longer what? And what is the curse of the law? It's spiritual, physical, financial. So you've been redeemed from all of that. Okay. Okay. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans that we are to reign in this life. No longer what? So you don't have to let fear and torment rule you, right? Now here, I save the best for the last because this, I'll be honest with you, this is where most of us, this is what we have to be delivered from. It says no longer, no longer past possessed. You got a wonderful future in Jesus Christ. Amen.